0: It's 12 o'clock in Frisco, Texas, and it's time for Smoker Broker Radio with Robert Mesh, a.k.a. The Smoker Broker. Robert is the owner of Small World Realty, and has employed hundreds of real estate agents in his 17-year career. He has instructed and mentored over 10,000 real estate agents at the highly acclaimed Champions School of Real Estate and is considered an expert in Texas residential realty. Robert is also an advocate of true entrepreneurial spirit and has helped many to transition from corporate America into the world of self-employment. And now
1: live from the studio to your world, The The Smoker Broker.
2: Hey, welcome to Smoker Broker. I'm Robert Mish and I'm the guy they call Smoker Broker. You know, I kind of forget where I come from. I don't think I've talked about barbecue in episodes, long-time episodes. So I promise this time I said I'm going to start the podcast. I'm going to for once talk and, and answer anything about barbecue for just a minute because I've just forgotten my roots about why we even created that name a long time ago. So I'm going to put a couple of these guys on the spot that are with me. Jim? You, you live in the heart of barbecue country. What is one of your favorite things that you like to either eat or smoke yourself? Oh, brisket. 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 More traditional in the state of Texas. I don't care what anybody says. If you're from one of the other barbecue meccas of the world, whether it's Kansas City, Memphis, North Carolina, South Carolina, Louisiana, Georgia, it doesn't matter. There's no doubt about it. We can argue all day. Texas is still the king of brisket.
0: Uh,
1: now like food. to blend it with oak, mesquite, and pecan woods.
0: That's great. I love those things. So oh, I thought Jim had put it in a blender. I was like, that's really weird, Jim. Even uh, at your age, I didn't I think it's a teeth. <laughs> that's Gary.
2: Uh, so- I need
1: gary on this show when we're talking about age
2: <laughs> why do you have to have him make him feel better about yourself Jim <laughs> um yeah he's in an interesting comment about the woods that that comes up a lot uh, a lot of people who smoke uh, they that question gets asked a lot uh, about what what you know, it's funny I don't tell everybody that a lot because real estate's what I do and uh, you know barbecue is just a pastime more than anything we've done it professionally and uh, we've seen a lot over the years, but I get a lot of people every week that send me something about, hey, what do you do with this? What do you do with that? And uh, the wood comes up quite a bit. So one thing about brisket, uh, and it's I love the mix of woods that you have. Those are great. But one thing a lot of people don't know is it's that the oak is what makes that bark. Mm-hmm. It's the oak that darkens that brisket up. So when people talk about <laughs> stop using my own means against me. Uh, you uh it's the it's the, it's the oak that really puts that bark on there. A lot of people who don't get the bark that they want, it's because they're not cooking with or smoking with enough oak. So now uh,
1: you know what Robert here in Austin I always have problems. I have to explain what smoker broker means. <laughs> <laughs> well so.
2: you know, we've We've talked about it on quite a few of the shows. It's it's amazing uh, the creativity of a lot of people. Their minds go straight to the uh, the vaping fields or the marijuana field, but it's far from it.
3: <laughs> it's not.
2: It's crack cocaine. Yeah. It's crack.
3: I went straight to cigarettes when
2: cigarettes. I, I I love that. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I wish I still smoked. That'd be great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always joke about the story with the, when we trademarked it, the, the paralegal, she, she asked the attorney, she was like, I'm just not comfortable with us getting into trademarking guys that are into stuff that's not legal in the state of Texas. And she goes, what the hell are you talking about? She goes, well, that smoker broker guy, she goes, he's a professional barbecue guy that has a huge broker. And she's like, Oh, I had no idea. So yeah, we get a few people that go, uh, a lot of different ways with it, Brent. What do you like? What what, what is what is it that you like barbecue wise?
0: Um, I really like pork. Like I like, yeah. I like uh, pork, uh, pulled pork, pork. pork. I like I like that Kalua pork over in Hawaii. Can so I mean, like we uh,
1: get them off the show? What's that?
3: <laughs> well I'm always all about the poor pork. Yeah, so in South Georgia. My cousin's yeah. a barbecue I- place. Okay, we're you got a pile on now. it, and you got to have some Brunswick stew. So let's so let's shit with that. <laughs> the uh, you know we talked
2: about Texas being the mecca for brisket. Well, if I had to argue, if there's a mecca for pork, it's Georgia. In fact, that's where I um, learned to do. Georgia is uh, uh, infatuated with cooking whole hog. <laughs> on open pits where they have cinder that they're the ones that created the cinder block smoking uh where you literally don't have a pit you build one and you have these massive parties i always like to tell everybody that i was born in southern louisiana i was raised in georgia and i reside in texas and those are pretty good credentials for being in barbecue because you got probably three of the top five area barbecue you can't barbecue. forget barbecue. memphis either now and i know and, and, and yes. i'm not just memphis and kansas city i'm just saying those are the years that i'm from and i noticed how i said five well those are the other two uh and they're the big ones but th- she's right in georgia that's where i first started uh i hate to say it but the allure to doing that stuff was watching those guys sit there smoking that stuff and drinking beer all day long and over time, it's what made me want to do all that. So it's funny she mentioned the pork. Uh, I will say this, and then we'll get into our real estate topic. I'm actually glad we did barbecue. I had not done it in so long. It made me want to talk about it. Uh, yeah, pork is is so great because you can feed so many people, and it is one of the uh, best uh, pieces of meat to eat. And it, it's fun to cook. It's easy to cook. Any Anybody can smoke pork. Uh, and if you're new to it, And you're just starting. That's by far the one you want to experiment on first because it gets more elevated with um, brisket and it really gets more elevated with ribs. Believe it or not, ribs are the most difficult one to smoke correctly. Most people would say it's the brisket. It's not. It's the ribs because the ribs really expose you because you can truly taste what it is that you did uh, and from the tenderness side of it too. Brisket is usually... There's only so much taste you can do to a brisket, but you can do a thousand things to ribs. And that's usually where um, most professionals show their skill uh, is in ribs. I find.
1: had a a great, great aunt in Noonan, Georgia, whose family had a, at the time, a very famous uh, barbecue restaurant there. And uh, but when she passed away, uh, she took the recipe with her. It was so secret. And then the restaurant went away.
2: (laughs) Hey, look we've so we are on a professional team and we've almost gotten fist fights when one of them won't share. And we're like, we're on the same team and we've got guys that have done it before. We've got guys that have like done this and we have almost gotten fist fights over it. So it's uh, it's pretty personal when you start getting into what it is that you do. You know, I, I was telling y'all, I get, Emails and texts all week long. I, I tell everybody everything I do. If they ever want to know anything I've won state championships in before, I tell them. I don't mind. If they can recreate it, good for them. Happy for them. All right. He goes go
0: straight ahead. to Tony Romas and brings it to go. It's <laughs> <laughs> on you know, his trigger.
2: <laughs> we, have, we have thought about competitions that we've lost doing that one time. going Let's just see if they really do tell, you know, if they really know, especially out in Austin going to Franklin's, maybe getting some of his brisket and mm-hmm. putting it in the case and see how they do. So anyways, love that opening. I, we haven't done that in a long time. We should do it more often. I get asked all the time, but we are in fact a real estate show awkward with the name itself, but uh, we do focus on real estate shows based educationally to teach agents out there, clients, everything that it is that we do. And today's subject is by far one of the most important uh, because not only is it important for real estate, it's important for life itself and its setting expectations. Uh, I have a um, storied background of the things I've done. Uh, I was in retail at the earlier part of my life in management. I was in executive management as finance and accounting. and I run my own firm. Uh, for the past 15 years, I've been in real estate for 20 years. And I've had a lot of money spent on me well into uh, seven figures on how to be customer service oriented, how to be management oriented and business oriented. And if there's anything that is more important, uh, it would be the topic today, which is in setting expectations, because it follows everything we do. It follows in what our day looks like it follows in, of course, what we do in real estate. Um, and in pretty much all phases of our lives, if you don't have, or you don't set the expectation, then you're pretty much setting yourself up for whatever you get. And if it's bad, that's your own fault. Because if you'd set the expectation, you probably could stay down. it. now the reason why it's so important for real estate is that a lot of times even if you tell them the negative side of it, if the negative side of it comes up, at least they were prepared for it. You know, I get accused of being a, a worst pessimist. I get accused of being the biggest optimist. And that's awkward to go on both of those extremes. And I'll tell you, it's a true statement about me because I am. Now the reason why I'm talking about the pessimistic side, I do believe that it's a good idea to tell people the worst that can happen, because if it doesn't, then everything is only better. And if it does happen, we're the first ones to be like, I told you, I I, I told you that this was a possibility. A lot of people who don't like confrontation, which I'm sorry, but it, it makes you weaker if you don't like confrontation. We can argue about that all day too. Actually, Mark, I know you're always listening. That might be good for the Mentor Project, a good topic confrontation because there's a lot to be said about how you handle uh, conflict. That's right. And, and you know, I forgot to mm-hmm. mention on the last show, uh, I do um, um, uh, co-host or, or I'm a member of uh, another podcast called The Mentor Project Live. Live, and we're just now getting it off the ground. We really like what we're seeing in it because. It's talking about the topics we're talking about today. You know, we're focusing on real estate, but in the mentor project, we would take that topic to a much higher level uh, or a much broader level. But confrontation is not something you should be afraid of. If you're if you're skilled in what you do and you have confidence in what you do, you should not be afraid of confrontation and expectations. A lot of times people don't want to say that negative side of it because they're afraid of the confrontation. They're hoping that it doesn't happen, which that makes you naive. And that, that's an ugly word. Uh, that's something I don't want to ever be called. Naivety is terrible. Because <clears throat> uh, I I rank it right up there with clueless, you know, and uh, setting expectations uh, puts it out there. Now, Brent, you've been with me a long time. Um, so Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And Carol's learning a lot of the stuff that we've put together over the last 20 years, but on the expectation side, you know, more than anybody, why it's important, talk a little bit about what you feel those expectations do. Well, it, it gives you
0: something to reference back when things go, things go wrong, right? You can do your best to prep a client. For what's going to happen, um, you try to get ahead of anything that could possibly be a roadblock as 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 this transaction progresses or doesn't progress, um, and it, at least it gives you something that you can forward them on an email and be like, I told you so. Yeah, this is what I asked for, you know. And and I'll, I'll give a perfect <laughs> example of what's going on right now. I've got a, a client we're under uh, we're listed. I told them. In writing and in person several times, this market has shifted. We are seeing a pause right now. Your house will not sell the first weekend. And I've already gotten four calls the first week, like, what? what's going on? What's taking so long? And yeah. it's like, you know, so if you hadn't said anything, then you're getting fired.
2: So so Brent hit, and, and, he, and he always does, Yeah, he hit the biggest takeaway for today. And this should be more meaningful for any agent that's watching this right now because it was number one on the list of what we wanted to get through to you today, is that setting expectations right now, you better damn well be setting expectations on what this market is capable of. Because if you don't, you are asking for it. You are asking for trouble. You are coming off of the greatest amount of sales in the history this country has ever had, the highest level, the quickest level, the lowest interest rate that we'll probably never see again. You're shifting, which was our show last week, which I can't remember if I posted yet or not, but we're shifting. And when you're caught in that shift, you have those people that Brent's talking about that are like, what the hell is going on? We told you what the hell is going on. We, we told you that you are in the middle of that window coming down and and for some of you the window is like this if this far from closing the windows coming down and what that means is it's not like your neighbor had seven months ago it's not the same thing now is that bad no you talk about something that irritates me is someone bitching about their house still selling well above what it is worth. You talk about the ultimate greed. Now, I know some of my guys, especially these guys over here, they're probably like, hey, Robert, you should go easy. on that." I'm like, no, we shouldn't. Because it's upsetting that these people are making a lot of money. And they're upset when we're trying to tell them that it's coming down a little bit, but you're still bathing in money. You know, it, it's some. <laughs> I'm not that big of a religious guy. I believe in God and all that type of stuff. Not that that matters. But, you know, gluttony is big, right? Gluttony is a big thing about being too... It's almost like that. It's almost like you get so absorbed that it's not the worst of things. You're still selling so far above what you're doing. Now, look, I got two people on here right now that might tell me that that's what they're thinking. I know Brent was thinking he's the greediest person I know. And he did that in his house. And he is lucky. He got his soul yep. before. Carol's doing it right now, probably in the middle of it. She's probably thinking that. She's still doing great, too. But they're like, well, of course I want it to be high. It's one thing for it wanting to be high. But it's another thing to be angry when it doesn't. And that's the point I'm making. Is being angry about it. Like Brent's hitting at us telling some people, hey, look it might take us a little longer than it normally does you know so you should expect this a week later what's going on why are there no showing what i'm telling you we told you that was going to happen we didn't we're not surprised by this it's not a shock which that is why that is the biggest takeaway from today is that it shouldn't be a shock
1: yeah brent really nailed it you know removing the road, you know, the roadblocks and preparing them for the values, you know, but because I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing that not only with myself, I haven't been very realistic, but I even have clients that like, oh no, I want to ask 150,000 more than what you're, what you're saying. It's worth more than that. You know, even though I'm showing them, What do I know? Yeah. Even though I'm showing them, it's not, you know, and I'm trying to set them up to be very realistic about it. You know, I don't want to sit there and waste my time and their time and, with something nutty like that and then then all of a sudden you're i'm seeing the new word now price improvement and <laughs> yeah, I feel,
2: jim yeah. hates that i it's, hate that word
1: because it just says so
2: price improvement <laughs> yeah
1: and it's not necessarily it is a reduction but it's but it largely it's like okay i'm finally getting realistic is what it's really saying you
2: know well so, mm-hmm. and it it goes mm-hmm. back and forth in the same conversation that the general public has a perception and that's why you can get away with words like that because it means something that it really probably shouldn't. And it just, it, it, it it kills me as well. You know, you said something else that I, I literally, I'll go to my grave. I, I cannot, especially now understand when anyone in this, in this quad panel here, is told by someone, oh, it's worth a lot more that doesn't specialize in this. I'm like, like where do you get off telling us that? I go, how can you possibly think with all the time that we've done this that you know more about it than we do? I mean, where, where would you think that that even makes sense? That's like me going into the, busting into the, 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 the operating room or the ER and going, doctor, That is not where that heart goes. It needs to be (laughs) here. I mean, it's it's no different. I tell you, the poor real estate agents, their their expertise and their craft, it does not get equivalent to, or doesn't get its equivalent due, to the attorney and the doctor near what it should. And I would argue, the real estate attorney has more effect in your life than those other two people, except the doctor if you're dying. I'll give them that, you know, but the fact that people will come in and say, oh, well, that's not, that's wrong. Like what planet do we live on where you would think that after I told you that, that you're right and what we said was wrong. It just kills me. So I told y'all we've been doing the podcast um, a little different the last few weeks. We're rebuilding uh, the smoker broker site uh, to focus on the podcast. Um, my producer gets on me all the time because I drag my uh, feet on it. and uh, I've been very um, um, polite about saying it's Brent's fault because he's, he's not doing it quick enough, but <laughs> we're trying to get more of the, um, uh, the shows on there. And, you know, seriously, Brent, the, there's a lot of people that have been going to that. I've noticed that you every once in a while, you see another like, another like. Uh, yep. I, I'm pretty sure that those are the people that we interview that are going there because they tell me that I know a lot of my students do it too, but it is a reinforcement that we need to really, be, and this is on me. I'm joking about you. We, we need to, you know, the producer has been on me about, we need to do hooks and we need to, you know, uh, start presenting it. And we're going to, and we're, we're going to, I, I'm delayed on it. Uh, because a lot of the projects that I have, it, it just takes a while for me, but uh, we are set in pushing that show because of the information it does. Now, the reason why I'm saying it is we created the format differently where we started bringing on um, a lot of our core agents that don't regularly host with us because they offer a lot of value and we want to give them uh, the exposure. Yeah, I'm biased towards the one we have today, uh, Miss Carol Goodman, who's I think below me on this thing right here, uh, right now, uh, depending on where you're looking. But uh, I'm biased in the fact that, you know, I'll play favorites every once in a while, but uh, I play favorites with the people that we know are capable of doing a job that they're already more experienced than they probably should be, and they're only going to get better and better at it. Some people do it quicker than others. Some people are naturals at it. uh, And Carol's one of them. Uh, Carol, Mm, for sure, an an integral part of the team, just as Laura is, who was on the show earlier, and Sandy last week. uh, You know, we don't put anybody in any specific order, but Carol's a little different in the fact that not only is it the fact that she's just a good agent, it's her entire background that drives into what it is that she does there are a lot of people who are good in real estate that's not that they were good salespeople. Uh, you know i don't even like I've, I've made it set up for years i don't like being called it uh, i put it on our website for our our social sites i don't like being called a salesperson because i don't think that's what i am but carol's one of those that over the years all of her experience it just gels into common sense, intelligence, practicalities in all forms of houses. She's skilled at being able to sell every freaking one of them. Uh, She's probably one of the... uh, and Just like I said with Laura, I'm not going to call her uh, up-and-coming because that would be an insult to Carol because she's beyond up-and-coming. She's sold more luxury homes than Brent has in 15 years, you know, so (laughs) it's easy to make those comments, but you know, Carol, in all honesty, your your clients are lucky. They're lucky. Thank you. That the people around you are lucky. The family that you have is lucky. We're lucky. You're just that type of person uh, that people want to be around. Uh, we are fortunate that um, that we get to be in your world. And we, we started bringing people like you on the show, one, to showcase you uh, for your clients, but more important to add to the show itself because of the knowledge we have, you know, uh, Laura was on before and, you know, it's, it's amazing the topics that someone for Laura who like hasn't been doing that long would bring up and we're like, it's perfect, you know, because we wouldn't even talk about that. I would dare to say that you have the equivalent knowledge to what me, Brent and Jim have had. Uh, even though it's been a shorter time for you, your experience level is just as ridiculous. And I think that's what really makes you uh, the agent that you are, you know, honestly, all the qualities that you have, your best one, are your street smarts. It's your ability to be able to look at something and go, I don't think it's going to work like that. And it's, it, it really, I, I, I'm talking a lot about it because I don't think there's enough we can say. I'm going to Brent, I know, wants to say something because uh, <laughs> I think he's your biggest fan too. You know?
1: and he told me he wanted to be just like her.
2: He does. I, I do. I, mean, I really love you know. He wishes <laughs> he could be uh, just I do. like her. Um, yeah. Poor, poor Brent. He I think too. Of the shit he gets because he's just bad with it. But uh, uh, we joke with him. But. In all seriousness, that's the type of agent we want on here. Now, Carol, with that, you've just been killing it. Regular mm-hmm. houses, luxury houses, ranches, multiple areas, Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, the coast, San Antonio. Uh, it doesn't matter where you're at. And my guess is you'll eventually sometime even throughout the country uh, go in other places. This expectation stuff. You know, a lot of people don't know your background and i still in awe of your military presence and your experience there but you would agree that that helps you a lot with what you do today doesn't it because expectation the military they're all about expectation
3: well i think you know it started back in the military you move every two to three years and i made the decision from the beginning to always buy a home everywhere i moved but as my you know rank and pay went up i didn't really change the price range that i would buy and i had to argue you know with my significant other about it but i was very set that we got to turn this and we need to be able to sell and buy again in our 5 day you know house hunting and and i always did that um, and, and the further along I went, it was harder to, to justify, you know, but I'm like, I just need enough room for the kids for us to have a good home. But when we sell it in two to three years, you know, you can make enough money, you know, where you're not losing anything. Um, because, you know, I was in from, um, you know, 92 to 2006. So there was a lot of changes in the market during that time. And, and I got my real estate license in 2014. So I, I, I really had at the time, the broker I had back in San Antonio, I was like, I wish I get buyers. I got lists. He goes, listings are lasters. You're good there. I'm like, yeah, but it's hard to do listings at that time. You know, it wasn't easy. And you're like, they well, we about
2: that Carol, in the last months.
3: Months. and I'm like, gosh, can I have longer than six months? Can I have nine months to sell this home? And now people would lose their mind if they, if you told them that. So you know? Carol, that's funny.
2: <laughs> we talked about that a little while ago on show that, We've got a whole batch of agents over the last six or seven years that they're about to start learning. They're going to have to be able to explain themselves when a house has sat for 90 days. And, you know, you just said something that really attributes to exactly what we're talking about with you. You have not been in the market long enough that you haven't seen that, but you already said you know it because It's happened to you so many times uh, in your own past. You know, one of the things that makes you special as well is your multiple experiences in selling houses on your own. That sometimes is one of the best requirements for being a real estate agent is that you've done it on your own enough that you can relate to somebody else. And you can be like, hey, look, you know, this is how it is. Anybody watching? podcast especially in archive and replay knows how carol it was just a natural spiel that's how she would have talked to her client if she was advising them it's the same thing one way or the other so you know uh, thanks for proving my point um when you're observing things You you know
3: i recently had to i actually feel that I'm not a salesperson. I don't like the sales side of it, Um, but I am a leader and I tend to, when I get that opportunity, I'm able to capture it. And the last agents that I've worked with on the other side, um, one of my buyers got the house because she was like, I'm a bus driver. This I've only, I've only had two transactions. My first one um, has the, the both were listings, the buyer, um, the, the funding and we've had to extend, it should have closed three weeks ago. My seller's all mad at me and this one, you know, I need to make sure I'm like, you don't have to worry about that with me. And I, you know, I kind of guided her through the type of, um, mortgage and local lender she should be looking for with the buyer she had and what she should know. And I was like, we're going to close on time. Do not worry. Even though I had a contingent offer, you know, yeah, I, I was able to tell her that, but You know, she said that she was dealing with that. Well, why do I have to take a contingent offer? My neighbor got 20 offers 60 days ago, you know? Yeah. (laughs) That expectation thing's happening. It's going to get worse. I've got a listing point coming up that I'm
2: worried about. Like you, the expectations is is more emphasized because not only are you going to set them, but it's your follow through with them. you know, you have many strengths, but one of your biggest is uh, I don't think you're ever going to be pushed around. And I don't think anybody would even try uh, because I think they know what they would get back. But sometimes when you have those negative expectations and they come up, you know, you're more capable of handling. You know, we were talking about confrontation. It's part of this job, it's part of this business. And it helps. the expectation was set one that it was set, but one, you're able to handle the confrontation. Some people don't set the expectation and they stuck at the confrontation part of it or they're scared of it. So one of the reasons why we wanted you to do this particular one is, we know, that you're good at both of them and it, it makes a difference when you're looking at things, you know, Mark, while I'm thinking about it um, before I forget, Carol is a good, um, Uh, potential for on the mentor project as well. Uh, Her military rank in the air force. I mean, her military background truly is incredible Uh, and it it shows in everything she does. So we might want to talk about that. You can go ahead and put that mentor project live up there. Again, that's the sub podcast we do uh, uh, with business in general. We like to promote that on the show. Carol, be more specific with me. Actually, Jim, you start it, and then let's let Carol come back in on it because I don't know what Brent's doing in his black and square over there, but um, we said, are you doing that intentionally? Uh. (laughs) Are you blacking that out intentionally? I told you you're supposed to be running this one today. Yeah, well,
0: that never happens.
2: Listen to my voice.
0: (laughs) I'm doing a mortgage application. What do you want from me? (laughs)
2: Lord, More than that, I can tell you. Jim, (laughs) why do we, the sellers, it's important. We set expectations. to when we meet them, well, that, cause this is the heart of this podcast. We're talking about the expectations on the seller and the buyer side. Why do we tell, what do we tell the seller when we meet them? What are some of the things we're concerned about that they might need to know down the road?
1: Well, I mean, besides doing a CNA on the property, I think the big thing is you're is letting them know what needs to be fixed in order to get that price. And, uh, You know, uh, and just simple things, also like uh, you know, because a lot of them just think. Again, like I said before, I got this one client that wants that one hundred fifty thousand dollars to price, but they don't want to do any repairs, and they need two hundred thousand (laughs) dollars repairs, which is kind of crazy. But uh, I think I've got them kind of back down on that. But
2: well, there's an expectation there too. Yeah, if they're not going to listen to your advice, they're going to have to be ready for what comes from it, and. I go yeah. so a lot of different ways,
1: you know, and then I guess even going down to, sh- you know, staging the property or even how to, you know, what i you know, showings, what to expect out of showings, you know, I mean, one, and
2: that's kind of what we were talking about a minute ago.
1: Yeah.
2: That is truly, I mean, there are thousands of expectations. And this show can go on forever. Um, but the one for sure right now is the one we started off with. the one that you just hinted at is, they better realize that it's not as many as it was before, but it's still great. And if that expectation is not set, well, I'll take it back. Bryn had a good example. He set the expectation. He knows good and well to set it. He set it, but he still got the comment. The great part about setting the expectation and then still getting the comment is the follow-up to, I told you so. The reason why you set the expectation is twofold. One, to prepare them for it. Two, to be able to respond to it when they say something. You don't want to be caught off guard. You don't want to be surprised. Look, I bash myself, and I'll say what I'm good at. There's more bad than probably there is good. I'll tell you one thing that I'm very good at. And it is making sure somebody knows what's expected. And if it happens, they're not looking at me like you never told me. I'm like, that never goes on with me. I am always very clear about what could possibly happen, especially with the client. There is no client. I've had tons of them. Sometimes they do not like what I say, but you better believe when it happens, they do not have some dumbass look on their face. Because that's the difference between a lot of the experienced agents and the newer agents. The newer agents don't know how to set the expectation.
0: One of the favorite ones that you ever taught me was, uh, and I and I after you said it, I make sure I tell all <laughs> my buyers, hey, just you know, they're gonna cash that option check and that earnest check, so don't just think they're holding it. Uh, yeah,
2: I mean, like like I said, one out of a thousand, and and you know, because you have studied. The background that I've had for the longest time, you know that that came from my second deal where I, I, my first deal was new construction. The builder didn't cash the earnest money. So my assumption, hence the name assumption, asks, makes an ass of you, <laughs> was that they don't cash it. Well, I'll be damned mm-hmm. on that second one. They cashed it. And guess who ended up paying $2,000 in NSF, NSF fees because I told them that they wouldn't?
1: You know, I, I think a lot of it in setting the expectations and, you know, it's like just like this one client I'm talking about. Is, as you walk, I'll do a lot more listening a lot of times and listen to them. And as you walk around the house, and I say, show me your house. And they're pointing out the things. they The things that they convinced them to think themselves on, oh, that's okay. All of a sudden, when they're showing it to somebody else, they suddenly realize, you know, this is not okay, you know. Yeah. And that helps set those expectations with the seller on what a property is worth. They kind of come to that determination themselves. Eventually
2: you brought up a good point. A lot of times when a Mm -hmm. seller is disagreeing with our price, like I said, which I'm like, I don't know why you're questioning it, but sometimes when they do one of the most effective tools, as far as defining the expectation is go show them the same house at the same price.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: you already know what it's going to be like. All you have to do is just keep looking back at them. And it and it always comes back to, I, I, I tried to tell you, I, I, don't, I don't know why you weren't listening to me. And what you find with the expectations is not only does it prepare you to counter the situation itself, but it restores that person's faith in you that, you're there for a reason and that you know what you're doing and that they should listen to you.
0: Well, and one of the worst things too, is when something happens and you should have told them, you know, you think about it, you forgot to tell them and you're like, Oh my God, Mm -hmm. you know,
2: there's, there's no way out of it. Those could be my worst days. My, my worst days, I guarantee you every one of them was something that I probably did not tell them was more of a probability. And it ended up happening and it's a nightmare. It's, 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 it's a nightmare. It, it breeds incompetence. Uh, they should never be surprised in a real estate environment. Uh, we were talking about the seller, uh, y'all had some great expectations in there. Um, you know, the showings we're already setting those, uh, you know, the next thing that we haven't discussed yet, but you're seeing it, and this this is a huge takeaway for the show today, too. You have to tell the seller you take the listing. I'm gonna list it here, but there is a very good probability that we are gonna to have to lower a significant amount, and I don't want you looking at me. Like, it's a surprise when I tell you to do it. This is huge right now because what's happening is we have a seller that is still thinking their house is worth what it was seven months ago. And I'll try because some of them will get it. I'll be like, we're going to take a shot at it. I go, but I need you to listen to me. I go, there's a chance that that thing's 50000 less. And don't boo-hoo that that's a possibility it was already $200,000 over where it should have been. I go, so if I tell you it might be 50,000 less, you need to be prepared that we're going to do that. This is the epitome of setting an expectation because when I tell them that, that should be an immediate, okay, no problem, Robert. It shouldn't be a, Hey, you never said that. What the hell? I'm not doing that. You start doing that type of stuff. Then they start looking for another agent. Is they think you're doing bait and switch on it. Expectations right now mm-hmm. are all-time high with how long is it gonna take and what am I gonna get? And what should I expect? What is the what is the ultimate goal here? Is it to be greedy and get as much as I possibly can and I'm pissed that I don't or is it being greedy and being happy that I get it? Or is it being just content that I did so well? Yeah. The expectation has to be set. And this hasn't changed. I wrote that when I started the firm. Very proud of the intro, introduction, the introduction that we train our agents on. What I wrote has not changed in twenty years. It's still the exact same damn thing we're supposed to tell those people when we go in.
3: You know what's working for me right now is I'm I'm in math major numbers person. So I I've been doing that. You know, I had two homes recently that I listed and they were like, "Sounds like you don't think I'll get more than that." You know, when I said I want to list 30,000 less than what you do. These were homes that were under 300, one of them was. And I said, "Well, but when you bought this, you know, you're still starting out 250% above what <laughs> You bought for for twenty years ago.
2: That's such a. We're gonna get
3: two hundred and fifty percent above, and I'm sure we're gonna get above, but I don't want to go higher because it's not really worth it, you know. Brent's taking notes right now. He's like, and then (laughs) the other one, we went above. I I said we need to drop the price twenty thousand dollars because they were doing a contingent. They called me, said I need you to list my house in three days and sell it in thirty. Because we went out to Gonzales, Texas, and found this antique old historic home and we put an offer and we got it and now we have to sell our house. And I was like, all right, well, you've had this house for eight years, but it's 20 something years old. You've never changed the carpet. It looks like crap. So we need to put in there. We're going to replace the carpet first off. And then we went along and then I told them the same thing. I was like, so we were going to get 245% over what you pay because this was a Fannie Mae floor closure bank home you bought for way under what you should have seven years ago. You're going to do great even at 230 percent. And we're going to get you sold in 30 days. And we did. And they're happy now. But you have to I have to do the numbers game. And some of them, it goes right over their head. And so I was like, okay, my approach with them is different. I need to actually show them what kind of cash they're going to have. At out.
0: So look, so look.
3: That's I, the way I handle it. I just, I'm, so, I'm getting,
0: I'm getting fired right now.
2: Well, I mean, you know, I normally would say yes, but <laughs> I fire myself too, because y'all, her takeaway, you know, I joked that Brent was taking notes, and when I said that, it meant I was, because that line about that, will you already have it for two hundred fifty percent more? That comment. Right now is probably one of the best comments in this market to tell a seller because that right there is setting the table for don't even give me the disappointment about, you know, you're not selling at 800 versus 700. You're already way over where you should have been. That comment is freaking brilliant and it is no doubt probably going to be sent out to all of our guys today
0: that's in our core
2: that's our core meeting though i mean it's just for myself i'm listening to that that's a great way to tell them what i'm thinking because i don't want to hear that from them when i tell them two things when i tell them they need to drop or what they're going to accept because both of those it goes back to my damn I mean, how much more can you expect? It used to be a 20% increase is awesome. Now you're at, you know, 150. And you're upset by it.
3: That That's that's so good. Well, you, just, uh, you go back to the, you need to keep a home seven years so that you can make some money after you pay all your seller fees when you sell. And there's a lot of people out there right now that have had their house two or three years, and they think they're going to make a hundred thousand off of it, you know. And 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 they may have. I I would be sick to my stomach if I was a buyer back in March right now. Yeah, and, and so <laughs> I and will. I was a
2: seller in April. Uh, yeah. I, I will. Yeah. That's a great point. Exactly. <laughs> at least if our agents were doing the right things, and I know I did too. Anybody we sold to. We made it clear to them that they're overpaying. And well, like, look, all you have to do is read a paper. You're overpaying and you know it, but the, the, you're, and you're right, Carol, I would be sick, but the only thing I would be thankful for, well, it might be two things. One, the rate was so freaking low. I might be thankful for that. And two, and boy, this is coming big time, is if it was an assumable note, I might be pretty happy right now because... I've got one of the government notes that are assumable that was at 3.5%, and we're looking at 65 and 7% on our back door. Got a lot of power in selling my house right now. So, you're right, um, but the defense to that is telling those people, hey, look, this is what should have been said. Once again, setting expectations uh, when we did this way back when. So, I, I, I freaking um, love that.
3: Well, and I don't personally mean... I- I didn't really have any buyers that went crazy over yeah um, because my expectations to buyers back then was okay because i've heard agents tell me don't waste your time with time wasters yeah and i'm mm-hmm. like well if, they're, if i'm wasting my time it's my fault yeah. because i look at their okay you're a conventional with five percent down you know a few months back don't tell me you want to see every shiny penny home that comes out that's going to have 50 people at the open house and 10 offers by two days later, because we don't have a snowball's chance to get that one. Let's be smarter. Let's go to open door homes. Let's go look at the homes that have sat. Let's go through this. And every one of them, we got the first offer we made. Y'all, everything she's talking about is
2: setting an expectation. She is, mm-hmm. she is setting an expectation and the buyer doesn't even know it. She's flat out telling them, look, there's no reason to do this. You're you're looking at this over here. This is your reality. This is your best shot. And she even had the proof of it that most of her offers were taken in a mark that was very hard to get that. So that's another brilliant freaking takeaway. You know, I, I almost hate doing this show because it cuts off so many freaking topics in fact we're going to do it again soon because we, we're not even close to where i want to be with setting expectations for the disasters that close because that's one of the worst uh, setting the expectations for what's going to happen during the process during the appraisal process during the inspection we didn't even get to y'all no, we did an inspection show on clients we got through intro which that's great because that means there's so much data we we didn't even get to the we could have done expectations on inspection alone which we probably will
0: you probably should have set the expectations for what we were going to talk about
2: well that's the problem with not setting (laughs) it yeah so hypocritically he is right the one place i don't set an expectation is on this freaking show uh, because it's just too hard because the topics are so general. So I, and I say that jokingly because I love us getting to the end of our podcast and we're not even. We're, so
1: I think we were all insulted because if he's not setting expectations on the show, that means he'll let anybody on.
2: I will. Right. I mean, I mean, he you let
1: us
0: on, you, right, Jim? You can, yeah, can, can so. hear all the
2: time. I could have had Carol on today. I would have been just fine. Right. <laughs> Yeah, we could, we could have let Carol run the show, and we would have been just fine.
3: It's no one wants to hear this southern draw voice very long. Hey, well, ah.
2: that, the fact that you're in Texas that serves you very well. Maybe in New York you'd have a few more issues, but here
3: there's. It didn't work no. in Boston for me very well. Uh, I was yeah. dumb. I was considered dumb. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. well, Especially sound um, fixing too.
3: You should. You you,
2: have, you already do use it to your advantage because they can think that all you want, whatever's coming out is going to be pretty damn sharp. So uh, I think they're almost scared when you talk, when they hear you and they start listening to you uh, and God knows that they knew what your background was, they damn well would pay attention to you. So I want to end with this. It's one of my favorite topics. I live my life by it and I, I like to think I'm successful because of it, because I, I love organization. I love, um, and I think organization organization comes from setting uh, expectations, because I think that that's how you create plans, uh, You innovate and you execute. It's all the same thing with the expectations. So I love the topic. Uh, I love the fact that we had Carol on. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's why we wanted to do these shows it's we want, why we want to expose uh, the agents, any of Carol's clients who watch this, they already know what we're talking about. And y'all, any of you who know Carol and you haven't reached out, I, I, I don't even know how it's possible you ever go anywhere else. We're talking about people who know her, strangers as well. But the people who know her, I, I, I 20 years, I've trained over 100,000 agents, uh, she would. She is in the top 1% of how those people are capable of applying what they've learned their entire life, meaning they're not, not experienced. They are. Even though it's in a different field, it really doesn't matter. So you guys are lucky to know her. You're lucky to have had her. You're lucky to eventually use her. And if you're not telling everybody else how good she is, then well, uh, I don't know uh, what it is that you're doing because they're just not going to find uh, any better. I want to thank everybody out there uh, for listening. always want to make sure that you guys catch up. Uh, always go to joinswr.com. Uh, for those of you who are interested in real estate, a lot of people who watch our podcast are in fact uh, previous or current students of mine uh, or uh, new agents that are looking for help in desperation because they cannot find it this show was designed specifically for you we don't make money off of it but we reinforce our brand with it uh and we joke about it we get a lot of people who cyberstalk us because uh, they want to find out how we are we love the podcast because it lets people get to know us a little bit better uh, inside of brief interactions such as interviews or sponsorships that we do so uh, we appreciate you watching. You should share this to not only the agents you think uh, would need help with this, especially if you're in supervisory roles, but especially to your clients as well that you think would receive it well. Some clients might not receive it as well because it's talking about them, uh, but for others, uh, it might be exactly what they're looking for. So uh, thank you guys for, for watching. Tune in uh, in uh, next week. Uh, we'll have uh, another Fantastic topic. I actually planned the summer out. So we have some great uh, topics and guests coming on and I think we're uh, heading towards financing, inspection and investments in the up and coming weeks. So look forward to having you guys uh, on. Uh, Carol, Jim and Brent, thanks for being on. As soon as I cut off, I'm going to leave so I won't be in the back room there with you guys. Uh, but uh, usually I would thank you all there. But I'm going to go ahead and thank you all now. And Mark, as always, Uh, Thank you guys uh, for all the help. I'll see you guys soon. Take care. Have a great week.